I don't know whether to be brave or to give in to my emotions and cry. Because, George, this is the last Plan B for 2021, and it is only the 2nd of December, and this is the last Plan B for the year. Because Rebecca Davis, quite understandably, wants to be with her family and not with the world as of Friday when she takes leave. Hello, Rebecca. I suppose it's a bit of a plan Z, so to speak. <laughs> but it's not going to put me to sleep. It never does. Oh, not no. plan Z's. Not like that. No, 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 absolutely not. Usually when we do the last plan B of the year, you do us a great, great, great service by pointing to the good news stories that we've missed with our focus on our navels and various other rotten parts of our bodies. Do that, John. And to be honest, I've been introspecting a lot. It's been that kind of year, and I acknowledge that sometimes in years gone by, I have proffered rather absurd evidence of good news for the year. You know, I've really scraped around and found, you know, some random person who did something heartwarming, etc. And this year, I decided, you know, we're all grown-ups here, except for the children listening, and I'm not going to condescend to you. It's been a pretty bad year. I feel. Would you concur? Without a doubt, I would concur. Yes, I mean, it may amuse you to know that before the year kicked off, the United Nations announced that 2021 would be the International Year of Peace and Trust. I can't think of a less appropriate term for a year which kicked off with rich nations vaccine hoarding and is ending with sub-Saharan Africa sealed off as the price we pay for our epidemiological transparency. I think we are ending this year in significantly shorter supply of international peace and trust. And John, it's been difficult, obviously, in South Africa in particular, and I don't have to revise the reasons why. But obviously, the July unrest, I think it would be a rare South African who would say that did not shake them in some way. I think it would be a rare South African who wouldn't say that the discovery that our health minister, who was supposed to be kind of stewarding us through this health crisis, was channeling funds meant for COVID-19 emergency purposes to family and friends. And that is in addition to the economic crisis and the pandemic, which continues to, you know, side through us to some degree. I couldn't believe it when I was reviewing the year that the death of Jackson Mtembu actually happened this year, the cabinet minister in January. That seems like, honestly, a lifetime ago. And it was just a reminder to me that we continue to lose people to COVID-19, often, often the best of us, frankly. But, John, I don't want to make everyone cry. So I have squinted at the silver linings <laughs> and identified a few of them, which I will now put to you. Please. As far as I can see, there are three events that happened this year in South Africa, which I think would have seemed impossible just a few years ago, just three years ago, unthinkable. And the first is the, the implementation of the ANC's step-aside rule, which was announced in May, uh, March, and sort of started to be put into, into tangible effect in May, when we saw the ANC Secretary-General, Ace Magashule, shown the door from his position as a result of being charged with corruption and failing in his subsequent legal appeals to challenge that. 
And I know that this is a kind of reform for the ANC that may be far too late and far too slow and the rest of it. But when you consider, if you read, for instance, Peter Louis Myberg's book, Gangster State, and you realize the grip that Ace Magashule had on the kind of machinery of power within the ANC, and to be fair, may continue to have but behind the scenes, it really is a not insignificant event that Ace Magashule was shown the door from Lutuli House. That's my first thing. The second thing, John, is that this was the year, lest we forget, in which President Jacob Zuma was locked into a prison cell. And yes, it wasn't for corruption, and he still faces those charges. But it was nonetheless a sign from the Constitutional Court and from the Zondo Commission that they were willing to put their muscles where their mouths were when it came to upholding the prescript that everyone is equal before the law. And to see Jacob Zuma taken to jail, admittedly for less than two months, admittedly released on medical parole under suspicious circumstances, that again to me is something that would have seemed literally unthinkable just a few years ago. Thirdly, John, was the kind of seismic event. And I think that a lot has happened in 2021 that we've kind of haven't had the chance to kind of sit back and reflect on because there's been such a whirlwind of drama. But the results of the November local government elections really were game-changing. We saw the DA bleed votes. We saw the EFF fall 50 percentage points below what its leader anticipated they would get. And we saw the NC brought below 50% for the first time in the democratic South Africa. And, you know, it's not necessarily automatically a thing to be celebrated that we've seen the rise of multiple smaller parties because some of these parties do trade in kind of separatist, divisive, ethnic rhetoric. But I think it is indisputable that what we have on our hands is a thriving multi-party democracy. And also that these once impregnable power structures, such as the hold on the country by the ANC, are now revealed to be able to be toppled if an electorate simply says enough is enough. And I take great comfort from that. The idea that the politicians may actually have received the wake-up call that they do serve at the behest of the people and not the other way around. John, also, just looking globally, one of the main takeaways for me this year, which was positive, was that it was a year in which the ability of medical science the growing ability of medical science to help curb serious illness, fatal illness, really shone through. And I mean that not just in the example of the COVID-19 vaccines, obviously, which have a demonstrated ability to reduce hospitalizations and death. And I also don't mean it just in the fact that researchers have said that they can develop a tweaked vaccine capable of taking on Omicron if necessary within three months. I mean that in October, the World Health Organization announced in what I think was under-celebrated news the first ever malaria vaccine to be endorsed by the WHO. And that is massive. It is also the first vaccine against uh, kind of parasitic infection ever developed. That could be a huge game changer for Africa. It really could. I'm getting quite close to the end now, John. <laughs> I mean, I really have. I've worked hard on this. But if you are into this kind of thing, and I mean... Who isn't really? It was a tremendous year for space travel, John. Tremendous. I mean, practically everyone was up there. It was more congested than the N3. We had the UAE send its first spacecraft to Mars just to orbit around it. We had NASA landing on Mars with Perseverance. Russia sent astronauts to the space station 
China sent uh, the first module of their new space station up, and all the rich super billionaires basically shot a rocket up there. And yes, the results of that were perhaps, well, the reactions at least were mixed. Some people, rightly, I think, perceived that there might be something sinister in this kind of renewed arms race to take control of space. But I, for one, say who among us did not feel a warm glow of satisfaction at the fact that Wally Funk, at the age of 82 years old, was finally granted the space trip she had been denied for 60 years. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to sort out my... I, nothing, none of my emotions are terribly complex, but as complex as they get ar- around that, because I, I am very, very critical of these billionaires going into space in this deeply egocentric way. But the fact that Funk did it, um, was part of it, is, is a shiny, is, is a, is a little bit of glitter on an otherwise large blob of excrescence. <laughs> I'll take it, John. I see you're in agreement then. That was a wonderful thing. And let's not forget we had the Olympics and what a wonderful celebration of the human spirit that was. And I can't remember anything about it now because shortly afterwards we exploded into violence, which at least took our minds off how badly we were doing in Tokyo. But Tatiana Schumann, what a winner. Bianca Bakendach making us proud. How's about those spring box? Everywhere you looked, there was... Winning, winning, winning from South Africans in the sporting arena. Is that it? I'm, I'm afraid it sort of is, John. Okay, then, then to... can, I, can I be personal? Of course. And say that I have a friend who follows your wife on social media and so gets to see photographs of the three of you, you, Haji and Miles, and as horrible as this year has been for so many of us, and I'm sure that your family triangle is included in that, the love that exists between the three of you and the pride that the parents have in this extraordinary young man has, has made many of my days better. And for that, I am deeply grateful. John, that is such a lovely thing to say. If I might say about Miles, my now two-year-old son, we have a small problem on our hands in that the only thing he's willing to watch on a screen, not Peppa Pig, not Dora the Explorer, is one particular episode of David Attenborough's Planet Earth to do with the coastal seas. I'm not joking. He gets home from school and he cries because he wants to look at the sharks. There's a scene of a sheep's head rat eating an urchin that he finds so hilarious his whole body shakes with laughter. The problem is that he has taken to trying to engage people in conversation on his marine biological knowledge. So he will ask randomly, how about the bottlenose dolphins? That is a phrase out of his mouth. How's about the bamboo sharks, the sheep's head rats? And obviously people think he is an absolute little weirdo. I couldn't be prouder, obviously, but I do hope that all this expertise will eventually translate one day into a part-time job at the aquarium so he can at least start contributing to household income. (laughs) Have a wonderful, 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 wonderful rest, and I look forward to our first Plan B in 2022, which I hope will deliver enough good news for an hour and a half year-end wrap. John, if I might say in conclusion, if the UN was looking for a kind of goal for 2022, might I suggest 
lowered expectations, something along the lines of the year in which very few things happen that make it onto Wikipedia, something like that. You know, I think that's something that we could all live with. I could very definitely live with that. Rebecca Davis, Plan B into the cupboard for the year 2021 to be taken out with great pomp and circumstance when we get to the year 2022.